to the What the Data podcast with your hosts, Mitch and Leo. Hi, Z. I'm so happy to have you on the show. How's it going? Going fantastic. I'm so happy that you uh, you had me on here. So I'm, I'm super excited about this conversation. And uh, hello to everyone listening. It's going to be an amazing episode, I think, especially talking about customer-centric approaches and how to make users uh, happy. And I think it's a super, super interesting subject. It absolutely uh, is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, would you tell us a little bit about yourself so our listeners can learn? Yeah, my pleasure. So a little bit of background. I started my career in mostly sales enablement. So I was always in the educating, you No, know? How can I help sales help prospects buy, right? So I, I really enjoyed that. And then I found really comfortable to be in, in marketing. And that's where I've I've been for almost a decade now. I've been CMO twice. That was a really interesting experience. And now I've been freelancing for over three years. That has been also an interesting uh, experience. And today I'm mostly focused. So I'm a start- startup uh, marketer, diehard startup marketer, working with the tech, early stage tech founders uh, to help them extract the, the learnings, the knowledge from their customers to inform, you know, everything from positioning, messaging, go to market, et cetera, as opposed to, you know, always going to going after more, more eyeballs, more traffic, more, more all that. But I'm sure we're going to get into more of that later on. So there's also just real quick. I'm also co-founder of Pitch Slap. So we do pitch mentoring for tech founders also. Yeah, we just make sure that good businesses don't go unfunded just because their pitches suck, right? So that's that's also been fun. Super important, actually. I think that a lot of companies disappear just because of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they don't get the right... Well, they disappear. There's no market need. That's uh, reason number one, right? Yeah. But if you, you know, the good businesses, they can't communicate clearly what, you know, their vision is, what they've achieved so far, etc. then, yeah. They don't, they don't get the attention and they don't get the attention. They don't get the follow-up meeting. And so missed opportunities there. We're going to make sure that we're putting a link in the short notes so people can actually check it out. I think it's a super interesting and super important thing for businesses. So you're working a lot with young companies, right? So in the founding stage, is it the seed? Is it after the seed? In which, which point do you entering actually? Let me start by saying, you know, who I don't work with, uh, and I, I do mentor, but I don't, you know, work with as a as a consultant uh, or idea stage, right? You need to whether you're pre MVP or not, you need to at least have traction. So people that have believed in you, even if it's 10, 20 people, right? So that that's enough for us to start learning. And then how do you actually helping them to, to understand the users? What is the process you're going with them when you're starting, basically? So from the first meeting until you can have them set up. Yeah, so I, I do it in both ways. One is, you know, guide you through the whole process or I do it myself. And hence, if you if you see on, on my on my LinkedIn profile, you'll see CMO in residence. So I do residencies, right? That's more implementation. And I take on only one or two at a time. 
right? And in in both cases, in general, the process is the same. It's sitting down, making sure we all agree on what it is that you know we we think today, and mostly it's them what they think uh, they provide their their customers. So we can have like the starting picture, because then we want to compare that, right, and see the differences. So it's important to get that first picture um, from, you know, the, the, the CEO, the founders, if there's anyone in sales, if there's a CMO, uh, a CTO, everyone in the company. What do you think you're actually, your customers get out of your product? What do you think your customers are trying to get done, right? So we get that yeah. and we put it in a folder and leave it. Next step is who should we be talking to? So I mean, let's just take an example of a SaaS. I'm sure in terms of, you know, activity or stickiness, we have different groups and we can start grouping those. Who are the diehard fans? Who are the ones that, you know, are barely using it? So we'll, we'll, we'll do, you know, three to four, sometimes five segments, right? And we decide, okay, who do we want to hear from first, right? And usually those are the ones that, are using the product more often. And I'm talking not users, I'm talking about customers here, people that have actually, you know, taken their credit card out and paid for the service. So if they're using it, I want to hear from them. If they're not using it, I want to hear from them too. But it's important to sort of group and and group the whole process by segments, right? And next step is, okay, so, you know, if I'm going to be asking them for some time, what am I going to give them in return? Yeah. So if it's a, let's, let's take an example of a SaaS that's, you know, 12 bucks a month. Ask yourself the question, would one month free be be enough for in return of, you know, 40, 45 minutes of their time? Right. So there's no right or wrong answer. It all depends on, on the, on the actual startups. Then next step is, okay, I'm going to draft the, the questions. There's a list of questions. Make sure you feel comfortable with those questions. You can do a few dry runs to, to see if, you know, if they actually fit, if it's realistic in, a, in that 30 minute, 45 minute time frame, right? So you do a, f- mm-hmm. a few dry runs and then you just edit the, the, the craft the email, the email out. And depending on, you know, some startups have, you know, a larger email list. So you could do, you know, A-B tests for the subject line. That's always recommended. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, send that out. Usually inside the email, there's a, a Calendly link. I've, I mean, not that, you know, I'm, I'm not affiliated or anything. It's just, I think it's a, the easiest one. I've, I've always used that one. Super simple. And try to, to give the, the, what I recommend always is don't leave, you know, slots in the calendar open for a whole month. So do them, you know, the, the next two weeks, or if you can this week, you know, to create some, some sort of urgency, because if yeah. not, you know, the, the learning process can drag on for, for a whole month. Right. And we want to sort of condense all that. Hmm. So when you're talking to these customers, what usually you're trying to do, do you try to do like a, a cross between the data you see that you're collecting as the tracking and then see how fit is it to what clients actually do? Or is it more, to see the reality of the founders comparing to what the customers actually look at the the way that the customers look at the business. Um, the basically the the first first thing the first goal with this is um, to be able to understand you know from the very beginning and of course you have to always take the customers you know that that have 
bought from you most recently because that information is is more fresh, right? Because if I if I ask you certain questions and you bought from me six months ago, you probably won't won't remember. So number one is starting from the very beginning, which is where did you hear about us, right? It's a pretty simple. Many you'd be surprised. I mean, many startups don't ask this question, not even in a form, right? So where do you hear about us? That's the first step. And then between the moment they heard about us. And the moment they actually purchase, so much is going on. There's so much data in there. It's qualitative, right? There's so much data. So maybe that uh, your product has a a free trial. Let's just take that as an example, right? So I hear about, uh, I hear about you and then I don't do anything for about a month. I want to know what happened in that month. No, were you considering other alternatives? If so, you know, what do you like about the uh, about them? What do you not like about them? Why did you, it take you that long to come back? What what actually triggered you to come back? Right? Sometimes they'll just yeah. say, "Hey, uh, Lior said, you know, or or you know, my friend Juliana recommended it, or she posted about it, and I was like, oh, right, yes, I remember, right? So I know that Juliana is a trigger, right?" Yeah, and I, I, I jot that down. So, in any case, you want to know exactly what happened in in the whole the whole process, and then once they they signed up, you now you think of the data that you already have, the quantitative data. You know, from the moment they signed up until the moment they paid, you know, has it been two weeks? Has it been three weeks? Right. So you want to dig into that. What happened? You know, how often have they come back to it? What have they gotten out of it? Did they, you know, get the the free trial and then pay for it two days later? Wow. No, I want to replicate that. Right. Right. That's but I want to understand why. Right. What are they trying to get done and what did they see in my tool that maybe others didn't see? Right. It's like you said before, there's also data that you have in the back end, right? Or in any, any tool, you know, that like amplitude or whatever that you're, you're using. You want to be able to have both and ask the questions based on that also. Like I can get into more, more detail if you want. Of course, always. So I, I think that it's quite an uh, interesting uh, part that we're not touching enough. And I think that actually, and I see it also in my business. So I, I'm mostly making sure that that infrastructure is there and to make sure to enable marketeers and product managers to, to get their data. But there is somewhere, uh, somebody was saying it's laziness. I, I don't think it's laziness. I think it's it's misunderstanding that you actually need to connect the qualitative and the quantitative data in, in some link that help you actually to improve your product because you can bring millions of users. You can bring ma- millions of, of daily active users. Hmm. But the question is actually how you're connecting it, how you're creating the link. Hmm. And, and me personally, I never had enough information, I think, before I started to dig into the product. So I believe that most of our listeners also will be super interested about this subject and, and learn a little bit more about it. Hmm. Yeah, if I if I may just jump in here, you touched on the point of why do we not do this, right? So why yeah. do some of us don't don't actually do this? It usually takes sort of a hard stop. It's one of these hard stops that you have to do at the beginning to, to sort of make sure that everything else that you're doing is spot on right it, you don't you're not in reddit or on linkedin just because no you're on it 
because, hey, there's a data, you know, um, 90% of them found us through LinkedIn. Okay, check. We're good to go, right? What else? Your positioning, your messaging, all this. It's it's like a, a, a go no go. We have to fix this, right? Or or at least you identify the success gaps, right? This is where we're at. This is where we think, no, where we think yeah. we're at, and this is really where we're at. So, you know, we identify the success gaps, and we're like, okay, so we need to work on this, and we keep going. So I I see it more as a hard stop that we need to make at the very beginning, when we start getting those first customers. So that we don't have to, to do hard stops much later because hard stops much later are much more costly, right? So if we yeah. do that at the beginning and really minimize risk on everything else, but yeah, I, I just rambled. But the point is we don't do it because we don't see it as a valuable use of our time, right? And I've been there. I, I have done this myself. I yeah. have, you know, been too much into the, you know, the, the Excel, the backend, the, the analytics, the, all that. And not enough out there talking to the customer, right? And, um, and I, I know what it's like because it took me much longer than it should have to learn basic things about, about the market, right? Yeah. So. Hmm. Uh, interesting question because we there is a lot of companies that are talking about personalizing the message, right? But I think that also here, when we're talking about personalization, it's more about the advertisement. It's less about going and actually listening to the users and understand what they like or not and then use it for advertisement. How do you see actually, or do you see any change in the industry in the last couple of years actually to be more personalized and actually talk to the users and not only saying we're personalizing it based on what we think the user are going to like. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean the first thing that that comes to mind is not, you know, is not ads, is uh is email marketing, right? <laughs> Versus, you know, what we always we always think, you know, personalized is high first name, right? Yeah. I saw that you work at company name, right? That's that's not what it is. There's more of a personal First of all, you being personal, so on a, on a personal level, but also, you know, personal in the sense that it's more personal to the other person, right? So the more you understand, and it, it might sound idealistic because, you know, sometimes you don't really have the time to talk to everyone and know, you know, everyone's dream. Like, I, I, I want everyone to, to, to realize that that's, you know, it's, it's okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's okay. But... If you want it to resonate, it's got to go much further, much deeper than high first name, right? How about, for example, you know, the two types of personal. One is you yourself being more personal, right? Yeah. yeah video, for example. Video is a, great, is a great way where I could, you know, just go on, on a video and talk about, give them, deliver them the message on a video. That's much more personal, right? Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine and we were talking about Airbnb and he was saying like, yes, Airbnb maybe now is not working that well because of all the Corona crisis out there, but they never personalized their message. He was actually saying like, I'm giving them quite a lot of information when I'm filtering, for example, usually for a on flat with at least five people inside the, inside the flat, they should maybe think about Maybe I'm a family. Why they never ask me if I have a family? 
and then adapt already pre-filter the options that I receive. So I don't need to filter and filter and filter each time again and again and again. And I found this interesting because this will never come from the numbers, right? Without talking to the user and actually understanding from him, we won't be able to understand it. Absolutely. I mean, if you filter, what what does the number tell you? Five. It could be, you know, a family, a numerous family. It could be a group of friends. You know, it could be either one of those two, right? So, yeah, how can you decide? Right. Absolutely. Hmm. And then... If I can ask, so when you're coming to a company that, let's say, have 20 or 30 users already that either are paying or not paying and you're starting to actually researching and understanding what they're interested in, how does it affect actually the the end product? So what is going outside? Are you changing the text, the communication, the advertisement? What exactly is it touching and how, how does it affect the company? So if they want to do it tomorrow. Yeah, if I mean... In both cases, but if 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 I'm doing it myself, um, then I'm I'm owning the process from from start to finish. But once I'm done with you know the interview process, it's time to make sense of all that, right? First of all, if you've been doing the work as you have the interviews, that's great, right? So you don't have to sit down and do you know. 15 at once or 20 at once or 30 at once, right? But the idea is that out of, so you have, let's say you have a list of 10, 15 questions, right? If you, you grab the gist, let's say, you know, where'd you hear about us? Maybe you'll give me a a long winded answer, but I know that, you know, I'm just going to write LinkedIn or YouTube channel, right? Yeah. Period. Right. So once you do all that for everyone, then you start to see sort of overlaps, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's when you ask yourself, okay, does this make sense with what you know we're pushing nowadays? Yeah. So one yeah. of the things could be, okay, so if YouTube, you know, we weren't paying attention to that YouTube channel and most of them have found us through the YouTube channel, what does it mean? Probably crank it up, right? Correct. We're gonna do some more YouTube, right? Yeah. If, for example, they, from a recent client, the value, they didn't see any value from, from the actual platform, right? They actually paid for it, but once they were on it, they didn't see any value from the platform. Happening a lot with LinkedIn advertisement. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Exactly. But you imagine, imagine it's much deeper than that. It's just, you know, you don't see value from LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Right. So that's a, a much deeper question is, okay, so first of all, is there something that you value? Right. Because it's going to be one of the questions, like, what do you use it most for, uh, most for, or least for, what do you most use? Right. So if, if they do value it, you see, okay, we think that the platform does this, but they're saying this, huh? Okay. 95% are saying this. Okay. So what does that mean? That I'm probably, you know, 99% sure that if we think the platform does this and the rest are actually our customers are saying the, you know, why, I'm probably sure that we are communicating X before they actually pay, which is something that they're not interested in, right? Yeah. So how about we start talking about why before they, they act? You always need to start. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a lot of, you know, 
okay, this goes here, this is there, this is, you know, this is out, <laughs> lots of, uh, lots of post-its. So you make sense of all that. And it definitely, definitely, most definitely does affect your, you know, your messaging for sure. I mean, it affects your, your go-to-market positioning, messaging, copywriting. Copywriting is another, you know, super relevant thing that comes out of this whole process. Think of you're listening to your customers and they're telling you all, you know, they're hopefully feeling comfortable, right? And they're just telling you all things. When you ask them, how would you, how would you describe, you know, our product or service to a friend or a colleague, for example, a very simple question or, you know, finish, fill in the blank. My product is like fill in the blank. This is information that you can already use, right? We we all say, you know, use your customers' words, use your customers' words, right? Exactly. And from these conversations, uh, you get loads of that. But then we have UX researchers that are going to jump now and say, this is not a marketing thing to even start accessing or touching it. It should be more focused on on the features that we supplying or working on. How how do you explain it to them? Actually, this synergy now that needs to happen. Well, it's not. Re- I mean, UX. You mean in terms of copywriting? Copywriting is 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 copywriting. They don't have you know, unless I'm you know saying we need a whole new you know box and changing the UI, or I'm saying this button. Sorry, not even this button because marketing can do the button, right? Change the button. Yeah. But it's just basically I want them to from you know, the, the website homepage, I want them to go to this new page before going to, to this other one. That's, that's a whole change of journey. They might, you know, but they might have something to say about it, but I would need to get their buy-in and, and show them that that's going to give us more, a better results. Did, did you ever have actually some conflicts with the, the product side that couldn't even resolve with showing them the research that you just did? Not in this case, in this specific case, working on, you know, customer interviews, but I've had my fair share. Yes. In my career. Yes. I've worked very, very closely with, uh, with development. Yes. Hmm. And then, then how do you explain actually, and, and this is always what I found very interesting. How do you actually explain the marketing initiative to a product? Because I'm coming from the product side. Okay. So I, most of my grown up life in the industry was more of a product manager rather than sitting in the marketing, but I was serving the marketing quite heavily. And for me, it always was a very intensive fight on marketeers that either didn't care about the data and make the decision by themselves or marketeers that thought that they can change completely the product. Here, I always think about the clash of these worlds and how can we make peace between the two of us? <laughs> I love that question. How can we make peace? Let me see. It's like, how can we make peace with sales, you know, between marketing and sales? You know, we've got, we've got to, we've got to, you know, we've got to align and uh, it's become, it's become almost a, a buzzword, right? Alignment, sales and marketing yeah. alignment or product and marketing alignment. I, I have a, a product, you know, I have experience in, in products. So, I'm very sensitive to that. I also am very aware that if you ask your customers what they want, they don't know what they want. So asking them, getting a list of features, just to give you an example, getting a list of features and then sending them off to you, I don't think is the best way to go, right? Um, That's definitely not the best way to go because because I'm sensitive to that and I know that, right? And, And I also know that product, I mean, 
all this that we're talking about, you know, the customer interviews, everything, I mean, is, is, you know, useless unless the product actually delivers, right? You know, <laughs> if it doesn't deliver, like, you know, you have to, you're going to be my best buddy in, in that, in, in this startup. I think we're already making peace, you know? <laughs> we, we are. I think uh, we are, we are there. We are there. We're talking to each other. We're learning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But because yeah, I, I'm asking it because I'm I'm really fascinated each time that the marketing coming with with an idea and and for me this is sometimes also was a sign to stop when marketeers and I'm sorry marketeers in advance I'm already saying it but when they come with an idea of changing something without having anything behind it except of some data that's saying okay this feature is not being used but they didn't even try to push it through advertisement. And, and I always then trying to think what will be the steps actually that marketing should have done to convince me to do it. And, and I always have this, this question of, should I actually tell them to go and ask the, the users or should I as a product go and ask the users and, and learn from them what's stopping them actually from using this feature? Uh, would you say that it's, this should be a joint effort or it shouldn't even be raised before we have some qualitative information that we we rescue from from our users how how will you design the process hmm. that's a, actually a good question and it very much depends on the size of the company the structure the teams right um because if it's just you and me then you know it it also depends on the on the relationship we already have but Let's just say, you know, I'm much more, you know, I'm, I'm very hands-on. I'm, you know, talking to them, getting a lot of, you know, qualitative data, recording calls, et cetera, that I can, you know, there's a channel that I'm, I'm sharing all this with you, right? I already know that those features are not being used. So what does that mean? My, you know, first inkling is to, to see why are they not used, right? Yeah. But also, when you ask customers, tell me the top three things that you do consistently or top three, you know, tools that you use in our product or top three, and consistently no one talks about that specific feature, right? Is it is it a must-have or is it a, a, a nice-to-have, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. so, yeah, definitely. I mean, to answer your question, I would definitely uh, ask ask. Right, definitely ask, and you either listen to the recorded call or I, or you know, jointly we do the calls together. Yeah, I always listen. I just have three hundred other tasks in my backlog. You know, it's quite tough. It's <laughs> 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 so before before we we finish this episode, I would like to ask you. So, why do you think data is important? What is the importance of data actually? Data. You mean both qualitative and quantitative data? So everything, yeah, yeah. Data is, in summary, it's the best way to actually know if something works or not. Yeah, that's that's number one, and it also allows you to have a a frame of reference. So if you say, you know, we're making thirty million ARR, right, on its own. What is ARR? Maybe our listeners doesn't do know it. Annual recurring revenue, yeah? yeah. So 
if that on its own is like, is it, is it big? Is it small? Is it too much? Is it, how is it compared to the year before? Is it, no, is it smaller than what you expect to make next year? I, I don't know. So that frame of reference, it's like with the, you know, product, you know, this stickiness, for example, how, how, you know, you can, you can give a piece of data, but if you don't say this is compared to last week or compared to last month or compared to what we expect, you know, the, the months to come, etc. So yeah, just that frame of reference is really important. Good stuff. I, I completely agree. You need to have some, some catching. Otherwise you're going to get lost and go figure out afterwards what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So bef- before we go, I would like to ask you one last question. If you could have returned to Z five years ago, what tip would you have give her that she knows today and she didn't know back then? What tip? Um, probably one that I really feel strongly about, but not necessarily I didn't know, didn't, didn't apply. <laughs> didn't apply. <laughs> um, customers' words, it has nothing to do with, with data, but it's your customers' words. It really is sourcing, listening to what your customers are saying and using those exact words. And no need to overcomplicate it, you know, sitting behind the desk and saying, okay, so how can I make this sound great? And, you know, asking for feedback here and there, my friends, my colleagues, et cetera. Like it's, it's much simpler. Um, it takes a bit more time. It, it takes a bit more guts, but talking to people, talking to prospects, talking to clients, bouncing that off, getting some words and then going back out again and testing it again. I think that's that that is the first one that comes to mind. That's awesome thing. I think that a lot of us can start applying it. We tend to ignore sometimes a little bit too much the users. I, I, I'm fully with you in that. Yeah. So really, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you joining and, and taking your evening to be with us here. Any Anything that uh, you would like to add uh, where people can find you Anything else they should know before we go? I spend most of my, my time on LinkedIn. So, you know, feel free to, f- happy to connect on LinkedIn. Please reach out if you have any questions about the whole process or, you know, you just want to connect. Um, happy to over there. I would like to recommend a book. Probably doesn't have to do with data, but it's microscripts. Okay. So since yeah. we've been talking about, you know, using it, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with it, but, you know, if, probably will be a huge eye-opener for, for your audience. And it's a super easy, easy read. We can add it also to the, to the show notes later uh, so people can awesome. listen to it and they can check it out. You know, I'm always recommending uh, Wabi Sabi as a book that people should read because I think that sometimes we're getting too complicated and we need to, leave, to feel more simple with the things we're doing. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I think we could do we could do with it a little more of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah less less uh, practical books. Let's go more about philosophy and enjoy it. <laughs> so thank you very much for your time, and talk soon, hopefully. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. This is another episode of What the Data Podcast. Huge shout out to today's guest. It's been a pleasure having you on board. We hope you too enjoy these episodes. And if you did, please share, subscribe, and rank us so we'll be able to reach more audience. If you didn't, 
we have a little form in our show notes where you can submit your feedback so we can improve the podcast to fit your requirements. Big thank you to Katie who helping us to coordinate all of this, to Milush who helping us editing these episodes, and Lisa for all the amazing graphics that she's creating for us. If you're interested in joining as a guest to the show, you can also find the link in the show notes. And until the next episode, thank you and bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the What the Data podcast with your hosts, Mitch and Leo. Leo.